This is a Brain Bites episode. Each week, we share two things we learned the past week and how you can implement them in your life. So, let's get into it. All right, and welcome to Brain Bites episode five. Nice, short, sweet sharing what we learned this week. Kieran, how are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Coming to the end of the week as we always are and got 18 holes of golf tomorrow, so I'm pumped. But you were saying off air that you are, you're chlorinated. Uh, want to elaborate on this chlorinated. one? Chlorinated. Yeah, I, I will very briefly touch on that. I went for a swim for the first time in about uh, maybe two years in a pool. So I swallowed a whole bunch of chlorine, did some laps, very tired, had some Vietnamese afterwards. Just, just the works. I'm not going to lie. When it comes to swimming, I think I've got PTSD from that time. I was doing backstroke back at like year three, Trinity, good old good old times. And uh, yeah, by the time I was finished, everyone was already out of the pool waiting for me to get out <laughs> during a race. And Ooh, I was like, never doing this again, yeah. which is why we're now doing brain tools and brain bites and we're learning. <laughs> and it's why we're, we're, we're learning and we're learning in not a physical way. But <laughs> speaking, speaking of learning, what did you learn slash discover this week? Yeah, got to go down the history books. Sam, uh, which was the British colonial rule of India. Uh, And once upon a time, what I actually found out is that the government was actually really worried about the number of venomous cobras in Delhi. Apparently, there was a a lot of them. It wasn't a good time. A lot of people getting bitten. My question for you is, what do you think they did to get rid of all these snakes? So, I I actually know this story. But I won't ruin it and I'll I'll play along because I like (laughs) this story. If I'm the government, I'm trying to get rid of these snakes, I would say uh, pass some kind of law or mandate. 100%. It was mandated rewards, which was oh, there was a reward given to every citizen for every dead snake brought to officials. Now, here's the absolute kicker with this, as you know, which is the Indian citizens, they dutifully compiled this and they began to actually breed venomous snakes to kill and bring to the British. And by the, the, the time the experiment was over, the snake problem was a lot worse than when it began. And so what was really clear here was a failure to understand the law of unintended consequences, which is the Mm. British government solved one problem, but they created another downstream. And so my learning for the week is the idea of second order thinking from a guy called Howard Marks. It's a lot of future projection and understanding incentives tied into that as well. What I'm wondering, because I've actually covered across second order thinking before, but I've always been curious is like, how would you... How would it work and how does it apply in real life? I really like the idea, but could you eliminate those things? Yeah, it's probably the thing, to be honest with you, when we look at all, and I'm mindful of saying all successful people, but quite intelligent people have a tendency to always second order think. And so I think it probably starts by understanding what's first order thinking. So it's the solving the immediate problem. My example for you is this. If I hit the chair, it falls over. That's cause and effect, right? That's first order Mm -hmm. thinking. That's generally how we normally think and it makes sense. But second order thinking is more deliberate and it considers the downstream consequences almost like a Markov chain or a tree diagram, which is I hit the chair, it falls over. And then what? Someone falls over it. And then what? Someone breaks their leg. And so you start to create these second, third, fourth order consequences, which are obviously really important. Does that make a little bit more sense or what's your thought on that one? Yeah, it does. So it's kind of breaking down. And thinking of that consequence behind the consonant. So like not, oh, I do this, this will happen. It's I'll do this, this could happen, but then this might also happen as a result. 100%. You're just trying to look at the total realm of possibilities that would happen and then the probabilities. And so I've got two other really hopefully relevant examples. A sport example, we love sport, which is when you change a golf swing, right? Which is the immediate or first order consequence is you actually get worse. 
But the second order, which you don't normally see, is that you actually get better over time, but most people give up after the first. The other one is a work example, right? And I think you might've seen this before, Sam, which is you hire a person that's super, super, super smart, but ends up not being a cultural fit. The initial one is great. You have a great worker for six to 12 months, but then you mm. know the second order, third order is that they ruin your culture and you're like, oh, my business is completely shot. And so those are the sort yeah. of the examples, hopefully that elongate second order thinking. The way I'm kind of relating to it, because I'm thinking about it through this lens of marketing and, and I guess that's the frame I, I rely on with my job, is there's this concept of like the the why behind the why in marketing of getting to the why behind why someone buys. And it's not because they don't buy a, a lawnmower because they want to cut grass. They want to buy a lawnmower because they want to have the best looking house in the street. And this same kind of principle carries across to this second order thinking of, of getting to that second intended consequence. How would you use this or how have you used this? Yeah, well, I think to be honest with you, this has been so important in the business, which is actually forecasting what happens. But I I probably think just as a very, very big level, which is when you make a decision, always ask yourself, and then what? It's actually running sort of a simulation or a thought experiment that gets you to project and think about the possible consequences, which then makes more robust your initial decision. So very simply, you're just applying a timescale. What would this decision look like in one week, one month, one year, five years, 10 years? And then you also, and I think, Sam, this is probably not considered within second order thinking, which is people dimensions. But take the like sort of example with the British government, they probably didn't consider what the citizens would do. And so it starts to become mm. even more multidimensional when you say, oh, I'm the person making the decision, but who does this decision impact? And I think the obvious one at the end of the day is creating templates in a workplace that push this second, third order thinking, this idea of tree diagrams. And so, yeah, second order thinking, I think probably one of the more valuable tools I have managed to try and come across, still still trying to implement, but I think a really big yeah. one. I, I really like it. And I, I'm just trying to think of now how I can apply that to some of my decision-making because it's really a, an effective mental model for decision-making. 100%. Which, uh, Sam, leads me to flip it on you as a second-order consequence of this okay. entire <laughs> Brain Bites episode. What did you learn this week? So this week, it was less of a learning and more of a rediscovering. And mm. that was rediscovering the power of vulnerability to create connection. So it's Men's Mental Health Week this week. And you can tell that by all the stories across social media and, and people putting out the good word about supporting each other, about supporting men and boys and reaching out. And I thought to myself, that's fantastic. But what does that actually look like? And and what aligns with how we know about people connecting and, and reconnecting and supporting each other? So I went and did something crazy this week. Rather than just reaching out to a whole bunch of friends and saying, hey, are you okay? I reached out to a bunch of friends and say, and asked them, hey, how are you doing? By the way, this is what I'm struggling with. And I actually elucidated, you know, some really painful, vulnerable shit. I told them about the things that I was struggling with in my work and how I was learning to to balance freelancing and, and this new environment, this uncertainty, plus some setbacks I've had uh, in some other businesses and projects and how much stress that was putting on me. And you know what it did? It actually led to this incredible outcome um, connection-wise. And it really aligns with some of that Brene Brown work around vulnerability and what we know about the neuroscience of vulnerability. 
Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that, mate. I I'm with you as well with men's mental health week. I think it's it's always one of those things to take stock and, as you said, relearn or rediscover what you've already learned because you need those reminders. And the fact that mm. you take that first step, as we've spoken about, leverage and almost like that idea of reciprocity um, is is awesome. To be honest with you, to see to elucidate elucidate what um, other people are obviously going through. How, from a neuroscience perspective, how does this work? And what are some other examples that you can think of? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting to look at the work of Brené Brown and her work around vulnerability and this idea of disclosing and ex- ex- this this idea of sorry disclosure or opening up these parts of yourself, exposing parts of yourself in a really vulnerable way is this mechanism of connection. And what we know about that process in the brain is that when we do disclose this information, when we tell someone something really really painful and personal about ourselves. What goes on in their head is this process of neural synchronization where the emotions we share are the ones that they start feeling. So this is empathy in the brain. And if we were to cut heads apart at that same point in time, there's a high likelihood that the same areas active in your brain as you're sharing these painful emotions would be active in theirs. And that allows them to feel what you're feeling and also builds in this connection. And it also ties into that idea of uh, reciprocity where when someone tells you something, we feel like there's this pressure relieved and that also we feel like obligated to tell them something back or to share something back, that principle of reciprocity with Robert Cialdino. Cialdini. So what effectively happens with vulnerability and, and sharing our truth in this way is that this sharing creates safety for the other person to share. It's almost kind of like you a verbal putting your palms up and saying, hey, I'm not a threat. Here's me exposing myself. And from a neuro, neuroscience perspective, that just triggers all these trust mechanisms and makes it much easier for the other person to connect with you. And we would look at that through the, the lens of neurotransmitters like oxytocin and serotonin, et cetera. That's exactly where I was, my, my like, alarm, but like yeah, not even alarm, went so. off, just like OT. I was like, absolutely in yeah, that, that way. Where, and like, it's all, I think you're, and we've spoken about this before, but it's that notion of I feel versus I think mm, with these things, right? Totally. I feel this way. I've been through this, that. Uh, you know, creates that space for someone else to come back. So, you know, take the idea that this is men, Men's Mental Health Week. Moving forward, how would how are you going to go about using this in your life slash how would you recommend people? So I think every week could be a mental health week for men, for women, for boys, for girls, for non-binary, for whoever you are. And here's a really, really simple framework that I'm thinking of using to, to leverage this effect in particular and build connection and trust and also help you help the people around you love. Simply, number one, reach out and ask someone how they're doing. But number two, before they respond, you go first. And what I mean by that is you tell them how you're doing, but what you're struggling with. So you share first. Because when you share something vulnerable, when you share what you're struggling with and internalizing, you actually give them permission to share. You make it much easier for them because you have that bond and that reciprocation through oxytocin and through that disclosure mechanism. So really, really easy. Ask someone how they're doing, but then tell them how you're doing honestly and you're actually get a, much more likely to get an honest answer back. I totally agree with you. And, and the word that's coming in, which is, you know, we talk about, you know, the struggles that people have, which is mm. absolutely valid. There's this other word that I'm sort of reminded where I've, instead of, you know, we talk about compassion, but also compersion, which is, you know, the sharing that, you know, someone's doing well as well and celebrating that and feeling good about it. So working both ways, that idea of being vulnerable means you know, sharing what you're going through in a negative way, but also sharing if you're going really well, celebrating that and, and sharing those successes as well um, either way. And I think both those points every week should be like that to your point. Mm. 
I agree. And it's one of those things where it's like, I've known about this for years, but it took me a while to rediscover how powerful it was. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Well, mate, those are those are two, you know, nice snippets and brain bites. And I think for your one particularly, that's really motivating me to reach out to some people, to be honest with you. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. And I want to challenge anyone who listens to that this week, reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while or someone you care about. Tell them honestly how you're doing and just see what happens. I think it's, it's a pretty empowering thing. And that's all I've really got to share this week from, from Brain Bites, Heart to Heart, Men's Mental Health Week. Go support some people you love. Absolutely. Totally agree. And if you did like this episode, well, feel free to get in touch with Sam and myself, uh, Kieran at braintools.com.au and Sam at braintools.com.au. You can also follow us on Instagram, Brain Tools Podcast, and also on LinkedIn. And as always, if you are loving what you're hearing and what you'll eventually see, then smash that subscribe button and chuck us a like. It does the world of good for us and your support is very, very welcome. And that is thank you.